So I took some tears off my eyes and I, and I put it on his forehead. Listening to Let Your Voice Be Heard. It's a logical fallacy, and I, I know that, but, you know, as always, and maybe the rest of the panel can tell you, I play a bit of the uh, devil's advocate because I am the lone black Republican up here. He just made a fool out of himself. I mean, you can look at Dennis Rodman and think he's making a fool out of himself. We know Barack Obama, what he was like, anti-war, government... Uh, the... Boy, that escalated quickly. I gotta jump into a rally to save a hospital here in Brooklyn in just a minute. I stopped working on my dissertation the second my grandmother died. I am a blazing liberal who can uh-huh. have a Republican-leaning ideology to give me enough beers. You know, I got to get you that Illuminati thesaurus. Once you get that, you're going to be able to speak in the same language I can speak. Now, a white person with a criminal record is more likely to get a job than a black person without one. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. The point of financial stability and economic justice is that you're free from confines of society and you have more freedom and to make your own choices. Just in general, people who have money tend to have more access to resources to be able to use in their defense versus people that don't have money. So you see a lot of, you know, lower in, and that's really a class issue and, and race does come into play. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FN WHCR, the voice of Harlem. But we got a special show for you today because guess what? Selena went to church and I locked the doors and we lured <laughs> Alyssa away with some Amy Roofs because you know she loves chicken. So we got a whole new team in the studio today. In the studio, besides yours truly, Stanley Fritz, the king of the PC ones and twos, who you can find on Twitter at Stan Fritz, and on Instagram at Stan Fritz, and on Snapchat at Dark Skin Swindle. Get it right? Move to the left, Evan. We also have in the studio the immaculate Erica Montoya. And, of course, the faithful, thoughtful daddy, Evan Mastronati. Yo, that kind of rhymed. You. Thank you for putting some respect on that. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That. Yeah. So we got a whole new set of folks in this house while we wait for our team to get out of church and order chicken shop. But you know what? We're excited. So, guys, please introduce yourselves to the folks on air. All right. Well, thank you for that introduction, Stanley. My name is Evan Mastronati. I am half of the podcast Let's Not Be Trash, of course, with my wonderful, faithful king co host, Stanley That's right, Fritz. Don't cheat. That's right. <laughs> uh, I do not have Twitter, but you can find me at underscore Mastronardi on Instagram and Evan Mastronardi uh, on Facebook and also on uh, letsnotbetrash.com with uh, the pieces that we update there. Didn't you put something new up about consent? I put up two new pieces about consent. One Ooh. is one is continuing the running list from the other piece about the you know how easy it is to ask. And then I put up the piece uh, about whiteness, too. Oh yeah. wait, yeah. that's that's not that's that came out a couple weeks ago, didn't it? Like one week. Oh, we, we didn't get to talk week. about it on the show, so oh, we, we gonna do that. Heard you, know. you heard you. Yeah. Well, Erica, tell the world about you. Uh, so hello, I'm Erica Montoya, uh, and you can find me on Twitter, and that's E R Y C K A Montoya. Uh, Instagram too, though. Uh, Twitter is probably a better bet. And uh, mm. I'm a Queens native, and uh, happy to be here. A mama of two, and. Um, yeah, I don't know what, what else should I share, but yeah. What's your favorite color? Uh, blue. Brown liquor or white liquor? Ooh, brown liquor. I love that mm, rum. Brown rum, liquor, rum, that's rum, right. Rum and whiskey. Like, that's a new poll oh, on Facebook Live. <laughs> brown liquor or white liquor? Remember, <laughs> vodka is for white women and Europeans. Don't forget that. Brown liquor all the way, but choose. Make your choice. Sydney, what do you choose? Brown. Both? No. Brown? No. Yeah. yeah, so intern. Our intern, Sydney. I said intern, our Sydney. Our intern sitting would also choose brown liquor. Don't worry, she's of age. Evan, 
Well, uh, you're you're in. Yeah, well. Oh, I, I choose rum. Yeah, you already know. Choose rum. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm telling you, man. But guys, we got a packed show for you today. So of course we're gonna talk about the news roundup, all the things that happened in the news that made you laugh, cry, curse, flip a table, or just sit down because you were too stressed out for things. And then we're gonna get to the main event, the big story that's been happening over the last couple of weeks, this migrant crisis we're having all over the country, including what we saw some pretty graphic photos of hundreds of kids stacked into a room mm-hmm. with. With no heat, with no hot water, with no toothpaste, just completely inhumane treatment of migrant people. And, of course, there was that photo of the dead migrant family just laying in a pool of water. All of these things being perpetuated and caused by the Trump administration. So, you know, we haven't had a chance to really dig deep into it before, but now we had that opportunity. And we have a special guest calling in. I want to wait till she gets on air so I can put the drip on the introduction the way she deserves it. But I'm really excited to have her on here. I'll give you a hint. Her first name starts with B. Her last name starts with B. What does it mean? Okay, uh, no, you, none of you guys. That's, that's not enough for me. My bad, man. Yeah. I, that's yeah, not enough for you? I can't. No, no. Uh, King, come on. Love yourself. All right, guys. Well, anyway, with that being said, um, Erica, what are you looking forward to talking to talk about the most today? I mean, I think in general, the roundup, um, definitely, obviously, getting into the, the meat of the, of the big story, right, of the border crisis. Um, I think it's there is so much there um, and it's, there's a lot of outrage, but there's also, I think, a lots of opportunities to really uh, figure out how to do better work around around those issues. Mm. Um, so so I look forward to that. I think, um, you know, this Fourth of July was interesting, um, you know, Trump and his and his theatrics. Um, but, yeah, I think that's all of it. I think, uh, you know, we were talking just a little bit earlier right before coming on about Chris Brown and and talking about good hair, bad hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's always there's always a lot of rich uh, things to jump to get into when we talk mm-hmm. about that. So that's true. All, of it. all right, guys. So I'm excited about this. Um, Michelle, I appreciate you for choosing brown liquor. And in your <laughs> honor, we're going to play some Mega Stallion. Hold on. We can't put the bees on yet. Now, what Juicy J is doing right here is objectifying women, and maybe they don't want you to be commenting on their bodies. So when Juicy J and 3-6 Mafia say, twerk, 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 that behind, they should change the infliction in their voices so that they're clearly asking for consent. These are the things that Evan talks about in his articles. Don't give me the aggressive side eye. I'm trying to make it work, Sydney, okay? <laughs> we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. This is a sex-positive podcast. It is summertime, which means I'm wearing all my thottiest outfits, which really That's just right. deep, deep neck V-neck Flashing shirts. them calves, man. Mm. Don't be bashful. That's right. Be, let, and, let, and them let, tries. Chill, chill, man. You were caught for that. Feeling cute. Might delete later. But anyway, <laughs> anyways, guys, we're back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on um, 9.3 FM, WHCR, The Voice of Harlem. And if you're wondering what we're doing right now, well, well, we're talking about the news. These are the things that made you laugh, cry, curse, flip a table, or ask why there are two brand new people in the studio that are not Selena and Alyssa. Well, Selena is actually on a family, family reunion, and Alyssa, I actually don't know what Alyssa's doing this Sunday. Maybe sleeping in and enjoying her life and her wonderful girlfriend. So that's good, too. But anyways, guys, we got Evan Machinardi and Erica Montoya. They're going to join us for the news roundup. And the first thing I want to start off with is, Evan, it's the summertime. Mm-hmm. It's Harlem in the Heights. Mm-hmm. How do you enjoy the summer and be a thoughtful daddy? Well, first of all, trademark, thoughtful daddy. I don't want anybody else <laughs> making money off that. We're we going to put some T-shirts out there. So look for that on let'snotbetrash.com. 
Uh, we got a few more, but Stanley reminded me it's FM, so I can't say some of them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, check out our podcast for that uh, exclusive uh, raw content that we're about to put out later. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well, I don't think it's that hard, man. I, I know a lot of guys act like, you know, in the quote unquote Me Too era, there's so much challenges with this. I really don't think it's that difficult. I think you can observe, you can be aware of how someone looks without leering at them, without making them uncomfortable. You know, some dudes out here, like, they stare at women just to get a reaction. Mm. And that's not right. That's creepy. That is creepy. There's a difference Swift. between... Yeah, there's a, there's a difference between looking and leering. I think when you leer at somebody, you're doing it because you want them to see you look at them. Or you're a creep. Well, Erica, as All, the, all of the, the above. Act, yeah. As an actual woman in the studio, like, what do you think about this? I mean, creepy, right? Like, I think, um, you know, I, I remember as a kid growing up and... Um, Second guessing myself from buying an ice cream cone and walking in the street. An ice cream cone? An wow. ice cream cone. And I remember That's like very awful. vividly like being in middle school and feeling like I couldn't buy an ice cream cone and lick a cone because when I would walk by I didn't know what would be said to me. Whoa. So I, I That I, is I, creepy. Um or even a lollipop or if I had one, like and so those are the things that state like you know, to think about that, to like be a young kid who like just wants to go, who hears Mr. Softy run up and it's like, Oh no, I should get a cup. Because if I get an ice cream cone, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna hear something, or I need to cross the street, or I'm gonna see a group of guys, or there's like a construction site, and therefore I should not walk in that direction. Oh man! Um, this is in middle school. Yeah, I mean, this is this is like this is how early it starts. I mean, yeah, even before that, right? Like you, you're just aware of it, um, and so, so yeah, so so definitely, um, I I appreciate y'all talking about these things and mm-hmm. and um, talking to men about how we can change, how they can change those behaviors, and how we can think about how um, how it is on the receiving end, and and the work that women need to do too, right? Like it's not just the men, mm-hmm. um, just like white supremacy affects us all, and we all buy into it. Same happens with with things of the patriarchy. So yeah. speaking of patriarchy, Chris Brown. So did you guys hear about him? So Chris Brown in a song, he said, "I like black bees with good with nice hair." Some of his fans, who also happen to be women of color were like hey chris brown this seems weird and possibly offensive because as we all know as people in the african diaspora and also our white ally over here evan who was a part of the washington heights diaspora um we <laughs> and kingsbridge heights there we go <laughs> there's a lot of politics with black women in hair and they call them out on this and eric do you still have that quote can you read the quote minus Ooh, the curse God. words just blink out the curse words oh, let, let me find it starts it off with woo <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> While she look at that, can yes. I just add something to yeah, our yeah. summer conversation? Peripherals. Remember, guys, you don't that you don't gotta leer. You can notice them. That's why God gave you peripherals to peripherals. to yeah to be able to observe without looking creepy. Yes. All right, we can put a pause on that. <laughs> but but I want to get back to that later. So I found it. Yeah. So right. um so yeah so someone so one of his, the comments was asking him like what he meant by it um you know implying good and bad hair. So his first response was ha y'all tripping y'all bees don't want to f um f the n with effed up teeth do you damn own? how much curse right <laughs> exactly only <laughs> that's gonna sound like morse code <laughs> so b- only b- only bees upset <laughs> is the uglies not the black queen so some and then there was another Wait. comment wow right and so the, no but then there was another comment where um the person implied that like he was discriminating against his own kind and then he went in but like oh that wasn't the end before he, <laughs> yeah, no that, no a, then he went that's in. pretty much in he said weird a a angry people sincerely from the bottom of my balls i don't give a <laughs> f about y'all negative booty face uh, a b's i'm st- oh my god i'm gonna start giving away free lace fronts for all you weird females with the skid row edges and low self-esteem Whoa. aside from that hop off these nuts 
Half of y'all look like the Budweiser frog, so please don't come with the bull. With the bull, I will fire that a up and roast the hell out to overly sensitive duckhead a weirdos. That's a lot Sorry, of curse words. I, I, hesi- uh, so I hesitated with the b. I was like, oh, yeah. So a, a few, we'll, we'll try to post the response on our on the comment section of Facebook Live. But if you're listening and you want to call in, the number is two one two six five zero six nine zero three. Again, that's two one two six five zero six nine zero three. If you're on Facebook Live, leave a comment. Amy, I see you on there. Mercedes, Michelle, I want to hear from some of you black women about what you think Chris Brown is saying. Evan, you had can, words. Can I say? First of all, we gotta give her some props for going through all that and not dropping one curse word like <laughs> yeah. like that. That was an obstacle course if I've ever seen one. And, and this man has not matured. Like I was yes. thinking, I haven't really kept up with him much since you know the the incident. It really took a lot of my respect out of it, and I didn't think he necessarily dealt with the aftermath too well either. But I thought maybe. My man's going to try to get on a better path, mm. and then, you know, this rolls out. I mean, that's just awful. That's so many things. That's toxic masculinity. You know, it's all these terrible it's norms. It's anti-blackness. And raising it's, a girl, right? And, and like raising, talking about his beautiful girl, and it's just, it's it's what people don't think about. Like, when you're going to talk about loving your child and, and such, and then you don't mm. think about the, the words that you're putting out there and what right. you're teaching right. your child with that. Um, yeah. That's how women can internalize patriarchy, too. Because yeah. if you have a figure like that as the strong man in your life, you know, that's how it starts. It's like a guarantee if a man addresses a woman as a female, his elbows are ashy and he might be abusive. <laughs> like, I feel like those are the two things that's, you can almost always expect when you do that. But a lot of people still a lot of people still think it's a reasonable way to refer to women. And do we want to do we have time to address that for a minute? Yeah, like, yeah, why? Ahead, why? Yeah. So. I mean, a lot of guys, like, for some, it, it may actually be ignorance as to why female is not a good word to use. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think we reference VSB a lot here, for those who don't know, very smart brothers. Mm-hmm. And I think Damon broke it down pretty good. He was saying it dehumanizes women to say female because female can be anything. There could be a female wasp. Yeah. <laughs> there could be a, <laughs> there could be a female deer. It's like female can be anything. Mm. But when you say woman, you're saying of homo sapiens yeah. <laughs> like 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 so we know what we call that we don't just say female we say woman chill male yeah and like exactly. appara- according to um a commenter who i won't say their name chris brown for all this talk got a relaxer a grown man in 2019 getting his hair relaxed uh-huh. self-hate much which is what she said so yeah i mean i don't know chris brown he's the same guy who a couple weeks ago commented on his ex-girlfriend of five years. She's been his ex-girlfriend for five years. Commented on her post criticizing her boyfriend's outfit. It, that, a, that's toxic. I mean, that's just textbook right here yeah, of toxic masculinity. Like it, all and of lack this. of growth. Like it, there, all of it. And then like she put a restraining order against him because he kept following her and threatening to kill her. So, oh, wow. Yeah. And so... How like how the fact that he still has fans and that black women are still supporting him and he can say stuff like that is just ridiculous. But I really hope that eventually he loses his fan base because that's the only way he's gonna learn. Because until he's held accountable for what he's saying and doing, it won't matter. But enough about um Chris Brown. Let's talk about the Queens District Attorney race. So for those of you who don't live in New York City or state, you may have heard of the Queens District Attorney race, Tiffany Gabon mm-hmm. versus Melinda Katz. Last week, they were saying Tiffany Gabon won by about 1,000 votes, but they still had to count the absentee ballot votes. Well, they did. And now Melinda Katz has a 16-vote lead. And the Caban campaign is fighting to get about 114 votes that were taken off the rolls from people that voted. 
and they were taking up the roles because they the, the word of election said you couldn't prove that these people actually lived in the district, even though in the records it shows these people live in the districts, but they still don't want to count them. So they're going to court this Tuesday to decide if you can count these 114 votes. If they can, Tiffany will probably win the race because like mm-hmm. it's it's very much suspected that those votes were for, were for Tiffany. Mm-hmm. But the county party is doing everything they can to stop this from happening. I want to throw it to Erica first because she's a Queens native. And didn't you vote in a special way this time around? No, I didn't vote in a special way, but I did I did vote. I had Kawan's uh, poster hanging from my terrace. So I live on the 16th floor in Lefrak. And... Um, and also, uh, this also just gives me flashbacks of having dealt with the Board of Elections mm. when I um, was deciding to run for city council and just really having come up against what those politics are, right? And like the really disempowering process that it is. And often what mm-hmm. I think about is like if, if someone who like I consider myself educated, like did all the the right mm-hmm. things of higher education, you know, higher white education for all, all intents and purposes, but nonetheless, like if I felt so disempowered by that process and kind of at a loss of what to do, mm-hmm. um, I think a lot about the process of 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 the kinds of def- uh, defendants that Tiffany Kawan has had in her in her um, career. Yeah. I think about like what it means for those challenges for those that even that know less or have less access or whose network is very different from mine in order to navigate these things. And it just it just kind of ball like blows my mind that this is still where we're at, um, and that this is still happening. And that Crowley, despite like you know, um, after losing against AOC, like that they still do, that they're still using such tactics. And, you know, we talk about like the BOE not serving us or the system not serving us. And I think what we have to remember is that it was designed in this way purposefully. Yep. Um, and, and, and that's what we needs to, to be dismantled. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I, I am, I'm rooting for Tiffany. I am rooting for all the the people that have worked in her campaign that have worked really hard. I was on their WhatsApp uh, group, and these people go hard, and I, and and they have been going hard because they really care about what she's trying to, um, to really change. Evan, what do you think about this? And thank you for those comments, Erica. Yeah, it's unfortunate how like it takes so long to dismantle a machine, right? Even if, like you said, even after Crowley lost to AOC, so much of this machine still exists at this local level and it's going to take probably a few cycles for that machine to truly uh, dismantle it's kind of like a microcosm on the broader level what we see um, even with progressivism winning across the country and on Mm -hmm. a federal level there's still these machines the old guard that's still there that can block progress Um, I guess we can only hope that the court system in this case will be just and that, like you said, if the people are living in the district, there's no reason why they should their votes shouldn't be counted. So, you know, uh, we keep talking about how to make fairer elections. I mean, this is it right here. Let's see if New York's going to, you know, step up and make yeah. it happen. Yeah, guys. Uh, one, so one quick thing. You know, when they talk about, like, when people are filling out the forms and they didn't do this for the party enrollment or didn't do this piece, you know, where's the accountability for the BOE, for those for the, that staff that is helping people fill out their forms? Like, where mm-hmm. is their responsibility in making sure that people are informed as they're filling out um, the right. forms? And we, we also got to say um, this would be a historic win, right, yeah. if, if Tiffany oh, sure. wins because um, she's... She would be the first openly uh, 
gay district attorney. Yeah, but not even that, and yeah. more than just like her sexual orientation. You know, we haven't had yeah. a, we haven't had someone contest uh, Richard Brown's seat in I think over sixty years since the, since the moon since walking on the moon. All right, so for multiple purposes, yeah, it would so. be a historic one. Well, damn. Well, guys, I mean, I'm glad you guys are into this race. And for those of you who don't live in in New York State but are interested and keep I want to keep following, you can feel free to follow Tiffany Gabon on Twitter. She's keeping folks updated, and obviously Erica is talking about it on Twitter too. Erica, what's your Twitter handle? Erica Montoya, E-R-Y-C-K-A, and then Montoya. All right, guys, we're going on a quick break. When we come back, we'll be shifting gears and talking about the immigration crisis. And we also will have a special guest on air, too. So get ready for that. Boy, sales, move. Remember when you had them green things made with vacuum seals? W-H-C-R, 90.3 FM, New York. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHC, or the voice of Harlem. I'm tired because I drank too much. You ever have one of those hangovers when, like, you wake up and your head does that pounding thing that that song did? You wake up just like, boom, no, 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 and you go for the water? Is that just me? Yeah. Uh. I, I've been looking when 28 years. I haven't had one yet. Oh, man. You just wait till 30 hits. You'll get lots of those. <laughs> yeah. So we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM. WHCR, the voice of Harlem. I'm Stanley Fritz. I'm in the studio with Evan Mastronardi and Erica Montaya. Did I get that right? Montoya. Montoya. There we go. And they are here in the studio for Selena Hill and Alyssa Fuchs. Selena, family reunion. Alyssa, I don't know, self-care, whatever. Doesn't matter. Oh, for the record, <laughs> I will not be here next week or the week after. One week is self-care. I'll be in Costa Rica praying and drinking water and doing community service work. And then the following week, I'll be in Albany for the greatest political conference in New York State history. Justice works. We're going to be talking about ways to change the world. That is a shameless plug. It is a shameless plug. JusticeWorksNY.org. But anyways, we are not here to talk about my organization's event, which I will be at doing two workshops, including one on men and patriarchy. <laughs> We're not here to talk about that. We're not here to talk about the fact that I'm also going to be doing a workshop on campaign finance reform. We're not here to talk about that. We're not here to say that Shalene Carruthers is also going to be there from Black Lives Matters and that she's going to be talking about the connection between the police violence on black people and the state-sanctioned violence on undocumented people. But it is a really good way for me to shift right into our conversation right now. So, I'm going to summarize an article from Vox, and it says, a couple of weeks ago, the conditions of a detention center in Flint and Clint, Texas, became public when investigators checking on the U.S. government's obligations under the Flores Agreement, which governs the care of immigrant children in U.S. custody, were so horrified that they turned into public whistleblowers and spoke to the Associated Press about what they saw. The stories they have told have horrified much of America. These children don't have toothbrushes, the, some of the slightly older children, so 12, 13 years old, are being forced to take care of the younger children, 5, 6, 7, 8. Those 5, 6, 7, 8-year-olds are being forced to take care of the 1-year-olds. They're being left unaccompanied, unwatched for, not getting food regularly, not getting blankets, not getting clothing, being forced to sit in their own urine. These are the kind of things that are happening. The story gained even wider traction when AOC from the Bronx, what up, what up, said, and I quote, these places are concentration camps. And because white supremacy is athletic mm-hmm. and also very mm-hmm. agile, as soon as she said these places were like white, were like con- concentration camps, instead of focusing on the fact that we have these kids in concentration mm-hmm. camps, they started saying, you can't call it a concentration camps, and played oppression Olympics with Jewish people, who we also know that neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and Republicans hate because, well, they're Jewish, and that's the only reason why. And they said, you're being disrespectful to Jewish people. And while that has happened, we still have children who are living in these horrible facilities. Actually, 
As of Monday, officials confirmed that all 350 children that were in that facility that they saw last week are still in there and still have not received the resources that they need. And according to statistics sent to the congressional staff last week and obtained by Vox, between May 14th and June 14th, U.S. Border Patrol facilities were housing over 14,000 people a day and sometimes as many as 18,000. The most recent tally as of June 13th was nearly 16,000. Most of these were single adults or parents with children. But Consistently, over that month, around 2,000, 2,081, as of June 13th, were unaccompanied alien children or children being held without adult relatives in separate facilities. An early June press call, a Customs and Border Protection official said, referring to that total number, when we have 4,000 in custody, we consider that high. 6,000 is a crisis. This is this is America, folks. Mm-hmm. We have these children sitting in these facilities, and the Trump administration has showed no remorse. They're doubling down. They're saying that they deserve these kids deserve these kind of treatment. We have seen reports of ICE officials coming and peeing in the in the place where the kids are supposed to be and leaving the mess for them and teasing them with food and harassing them and making fun of them and laughing at them. We've also found out during this time period that there is a huge Facebook group with mostly current and former ICE members where they were planning on doing a GoFundMe to raise money for someone to attack AOC or Julian Castro. Wow. We have seen... I didn't even know that. We have wow. seen these children sitting inside these cells with those silver blankets that's, that's supposed to like collect mm. heat. I had one um, at the end of the Fiber bike tour. It was raining really badly. They gave everyone one of those blankets. It doesn't work very well. That's what the kids are using to sleep on, and they're packed together in these cells. And this is the situation that we have. So now that we've kind of gone through what was going on and what the Trump administration has said, what I want to talk about, what was your reactions to the revelations about this crisis? I know we had talked about it a lot. We have seen, you know, people saying they're being treated poorly, but now you actually got to see footage of it. What were some of your thoughts, Erica? I mean, I guess my first thought is, as if it wasn't bad enough, what, uh, what, these kids and what these people go through when they are crossing the border and leaving their country, fleeing oppression, and then to come face that. I mean, it's it's heartbreaking. It's also, it is so, it's infuriating when people are like, um, when they want to when they want to blame like our economic crisis on 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 immigration, on these people coming and taking our jobs. And there is no sense of responsibility and accountability for how our foreign policy also feeds into the um, often the factors that that force people to come here. But in in regards to the conditions, it's just it is like a concentration camp. This is it's it's absolutely inhumane. um, And I think it speaks to the racist undertone of of police enforcement throughout. Well, Erica, I actually want you to talk very briefly about um, like how we played a role in like forcing these people to this country. But before you do, I want to make sure that I introduce our special guest who's on our line. She's been waiting patiently. So I want to introduce you guys to Bibi or Brittany Mendez. She's a second generation descendant of an immigrant entrepreneur, educator, activist, and humanitarian focused on efforts to educate and empower people of color. You can find her on Facebook at Bibi Mendez. Bibi, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. So we got you on air. We're going to make sure we get you into this conversation. Um, so what I want to do is, Erica, just really quickly, just explain, like, what do you meant by the U.S.'s role? And then when we're done with that, I want to hear um, from you, BB, and hear your thoughts on, um, like, just the news of, like, what's happening in these detention centers. Go ahead, Erica. All right. Uh, so, you know, uh, 
I, I can't speak for each specific country, but just in general, when we think about trading policies, when we think about um, who comes into power in other countries and how the U.S. supports this and the kind of military interventions that happen in other in other countries, I can speak specifically for some, a place like Colombia, the drug war, right? When you are er- eradicating crops um, in order to supposedly eradicate uh, coca and, and poppy seeds, but it doesn't, and it but it does eradicate, you know, the food of farmers mm-hmm. and um, and and the livelihood of people. You are forcing people to to leave to leave where they are, and you're displacing them. And so that is often what happens in in many of these countries. And like I said, I can't get specifics in each country, but it, Honduras, it has to do with our policy. Honduras, Honduras yeah. they had a um, a left wing leader, and the U.S. under Obama administration organized a coup and put in a conservative leader. And Honduras has been in just a tailspin ever since. It's been it's been pretty bad. So that's another example. BB, I want to bring you into this conversation. I'm sure you've seen the, the images and read some articles about what's happening in these detention centers. What was your reaction when you saw how bad the treatment had gotten? Well, I was surprised at how bad the treatment had gotten, but then again, I wasn't surprised. We have to look at the history of America. We have often detained people against their will, um, also separating them from their families often in history. Look at the African-Americans with slavery as well as the Indians when we tried to colonize them. So these things are not necessarily new things. We're just getting more information in the public eye now. Absolutely. Thank you so much, BB. Evan, go ahead. Yeah, and, and, you know, the Japanese as well. Mm-hmm. We, yes. did, we did that. Um, we put them in with internment camps. camps. Absolutely um, right. Yeah, I... I can't say, unfortunately, I'm surprised under the Trump administration, given their views on immigration, but it's truly awful. And I think a Fox News host pretty much summed up their views, which is that these aren't our children. And once once he said that, yeah. I was like, that's what everybody's been thinking. But the fact that he said it so blatantly, which is why do we care? Basically, these aren't our children yeah. to dehumanize. They're still human. Yeah. And they are our children. They're on our soil. And yeah. just the abject dehumanization of them is amazing. And the thing I always say is that, you know, um, America really is hypocritical when it comes with American exceptionalism. Mm-hmm. They like to talk <laughs> about how they're exceptional and like how they're better than every other country and it's, you know, the best place in the world to be. And then people risk everything to come here, including, you know, their lives and the and, and safety of themselves and their families. And then we shun, ostracize them and we put them uh, in, in camps like this. So it's like in one breath we say it's exceptional and the other breath we, we hurt the people who believe in exceptionalism. Yeah, it is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I mean, so I, I guess mean, I, want, I have a thing that I, I want to point out. Is, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I think one of the things I want to point out is that America always creates a culture of fear. And I think we have to acknowledge that it extends far beyond just immigrants. It's for people of color in this country. And immigrating into this country, it's typically people of color that are treated in this manner. Although we have people of all walks of life that uh, immigrate into this country, it tends to be the people of color who receive the worst treatment. And so this also flows over into our prison systems, our systems for housing for children, whether it be CPS um, and et cetera. This is a culture that's extended far beyond just the immigration detention centers. It's just a culture that America seems to like to continue for some reason. And we need to acknowledge that and start addressing that from the root. 
BB, you're on fire today. I love that comment. <laughs> I have a question for you guys because we're looking at this because it's happening under Trump. And they very clearly have a white supremacist, knuckle-dragging, cousin-loving administration pushing through policies that would allow for them to have incest, stop abortions, and get brown people out of the country. But when Obama was president, he was known as a deporter-in-chief. He deported hundreds of thousands of undocumented people. So what's the difference, Erica? Um, so, I, I mean... That it's problematic, regardless. Um, th- there's no doubt about that, right? So I think it, it is true that this happened under the Obama administration. I think it is important to to note that because history is important and having that precedent is important. But mm-hmm. I think the conditions mm-hmm. in which people were detained um, are are strikingly different, and I think that is that is a major difference. Yeah, yeah, I'm going. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't. So first, you know, the way I look at it, of. I don't like this policy, period, about the way deportations work. I don't think I think we should accept a lot more people who come here for asylum. I think the immigration process should be a lot more open. So this was going on, let's be clear, before Obama and it continued after Obama. Mm-hmm. And uh, Obama certainly uh, it continued under his administration. But as you said, these conditions, it, we, we didn't, there was still the internet <laughs> during yeah. Obama. There was still Twitter and Facebook. We didn't hear about, let's not forget, there's also reports of immigrants being sexually assaulted Ooh, and yeah. dying. So we didn't hear about this to the same extent, about not having toothbrushes and all these sanitary conditions. From all our knowledge of those eight years, the Obama administration at the least wanted there to be livable conditions. And the other thing I do have to say, just to be fair to his administration, is let's not forget DACA started under Obama. Yeah. So Obama also probably kept more immigrants that are undocumented in this uh, country more than any other president, too. So that's the way I look at it with his administration. So, guys, if you have a question, comment, or concern, no curse words, you can give us a call at 212-650-6903. Again, that's 212-650-6903. I want to keep the questions and comments coming. So if you're on Facebook Live, leave us a question or a comment, and I'll make sure we try to get it on air. Flav, we saw your comment. I appreciate you. Flav mentioned that there was more than one Facebook group that these members of ICE were using. So the one I mentioned was when we talked about the other one, they couldn't even get over how desperately they wanted to do something to AOC, according to Flay. So thank you for that. So now let's get into the gaslighting part of this conversation, mm-hmm. um, because a big thing that they said, and I want to throw this to you first, Evan, mm-hmm. is like people were debating about whether this should be considered a concentration mm-hmm. camp. Did you have an issue with the framing of like these detention centers as concentration camps? Why or why not? Uh, no, I did not. I mean, it analogies don't have to be perfect. And also... What many people pointed out is the concentration camps didn't start that way. It was a slow process of ambivalence, increasing nationalism. You know, Hitler was elected. I mean, lots of things. People didn't just blink in Germany and then there were Jewish people in concentration camps. This Mm. happened over time. This happened over ambivalence. And this happened where initially people weren't dying. Um, So, no, I don't, because if this goes unchecked, if we continue to dehumanize them and think that uh, they're not our children, who knows what's next? I I didn't think it could ever get this serious on American soil. I didn't think Donald Trump could be president. And, you know, those things happened. (laughs) So, no, I don't I don't think it's a a problem. I mean, and also there's there's different degrees to it. Like we like I said, we had Japanese internment camps and I can. Personally, I can see those called concentration camps. I don't think it only has to be associated with the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. I consider it a place, essentially, where um, human life 
is not seen at the same level as people of other races or backgrounds. And to be to be frank, you know, how many people really cared when immigrant children died? Mm. Not that many. Not that many, at least among those who were supposed to be taking care of them. They didn't really care. So ambivalence towards death is just one step towards actually causing the death. And you could argue they did cause the death because wow. they just didn't uh, give them the resources to survive. That's a good point. BB, do you have any thoughts on this? Do, do you have an issue with them calling these centers concentration camps? I, I actually do have an issue with it being calling a concentration camp. I mean, while I do agree that the detention centers are not up to humanitarian standards and they should be, you know, altered, adjusted, um, refunded, etc., I think that, you know, to call it a concentration camp is you know, a, a bit extreme because, you know, we do not have people being sent to gas chambers or being slaughtered in large numbers. However, we are mistreating them and dehumanizing them in other ways that eventually will, even if they are accepted into this country, affect them in the long run as well. So um, I do feel like that is a bit of a strong term, you know, because um, we have to show respect to the people who did suffer through the Holocaust and their struggle. And we have to highlight these struggles individually and deal with them as they are instead of just kind of lumping them together is what I'm more so concerned with. It's just, you know, lumping things together always doesn't lead to a good solution either. Um, I can, oh, yeah, I, I definitely hear what you're saying. I think that nuance is important and i think that sometimes in in this day and age we do go for the strongest word that gets the most attention but i, I do see enough parallels here like i said it doesn't the same word can be used and and we can have those distinctions kind of like how in palestine some people call it apartheid like conditions or apartheid conditions and yes it's not the same thing but even if you say it's apartheid like conditions i think people get the point that Palestinians, I know this is a separate issue, we don't need yeah. to go too deep in it, I'm Free just using Palestine. the parallel, yeah, are being treated at, at the very least like absolute second-class citizens. Oh, Israel's as, an apartheid government, for yeah, sure. Yeah, well, I'm saying it's not, we don't, ha it doesn't have to be the same thing yeah. for it to be bad. It doesn't have to be the exact things apartheid, yeah. but it still is bad, and there's still parallels. Yeah. So I'm pers personally fine with that term being used in that case, because you're still pointing to um, the at least, again, ambivalence of death of someone who is considered a second-class citizen. Yeah. And here, again, it's at least the ambivalence of death of immigrants um, who are being round up, put in cages. I think that, you know, anybody who has relation to the Holocaust has every right to feel the way they do about this. I'm not saying it's, like, uh, beyond the pale for someone to say, well, I I'm related to someone who went through a concentration camp. I feel some type of way about that. Mm -hmm. But... Um, Personally, I think that the analogy is works for me because it's at least unchecked. It's on its way to getting there. All right. So, guys, we do have a call on the line. Teresa, let your voice be heard. Yes, good day. Thanks for having this wonderful show. I listened to you before I go to church. This is atrocious. And you know what? Michael Vick went to jail for dogs. For dogs. Peter was all over Michael Vick for dogs. And for people not to be concerned about these children. It is not right. It is a concentration camp, and we have to be very vigilant about it, and more people should be up in arms. So Thank this is you. all I have yeah. to say. Michael Vick went to jail for dogs. Have a good day. 
Thank you. Miss Rita, thank you, thank you thank so you. much for calling in. So, guys, you know, that's that's some real stuff. We do have to go on a quick break, though. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Obviously, there's a lot of emotions around this. And, yeah, she's absolutely right. White folks want to bury Michael Vick under the jail for dogs. I mean, I'm not saying that we should be killing dogs, but they don't seem to have the same energy with these kids. This song always reminds me of my dad because whenever he was going to one of his special friend's house and he had to take me because he had no babysitter, <laughs> he'd always play this song and be like, here's a book, sit in the corner. <laughs> oh, my God. That's yes, terrible. yes, yes. We are back. <laughs> We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHC, or the voice of, ha- of Harlem. We're talking about parenting, good parenting, and then also the parenting that I got. And <laughs> if you're wondering what what's going on here, I am in the studio with Erica Montoya. I'm also in the studio with Evan Mastronardi. They, and of course, B.B. Mendes. How can I forget B.B. Mendes, who's killing it on air right now with us? And they have joined us in in turn for Selena and Alyssa who are out living their best lives and we are talking about the migrant crisis and detention centers and all the things that are going on over there now before we went on break we had a great call from a Teresa who said Miss Teresa let me put some respect on her name mm-hmm. who said that white folks were pissed off about Michael Vick killing dogs but don't seem to have the same kind of energy for these migrant children Evan you were going to comment but Lupe Fiasco interrupted you not me what were you going to say about that okay it won't be the first time Lupe Fiasco interrupted me he did a few <laughs> times back in high school too um, yet, obviously, you know, I'm personally, as many people are very much against animal cruelty, it's not a good thing that he did. But the point is that there is such a gap in outrage, not just with that. I saw someone else, you know, putting out there white people are more outraged about, and this, they shouldn't be, again, the fact that, that the, the fact that um, there's going to be a mermaid who's black. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Negro mermaid. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a mermaid. Mm, I can't say it the way I want to say it because we're on air. <laughs> which I know how I was going to say it. Uh, and that's entirely ridiculous. So the fact that, and, and they're upset about that, like Nike campaigns, like all these things, who kneels during a game, but not like actual real human beings who are being uh, put in these camps and with in terrible conditions. Yeah. Um, again, it just shows how hypocritical the whole notion of all lives matter is. It, it never had any meaning to it. Mm. When people say all lives matter is only a rebuttal to people talking about the oppression of people of color. That's it. Well, guys, I, I do want to get to a quick comment that Dyer left on here. And, of course, my computer is acting up just as it's coming. So I will read to you what I can see. Um, what we have is absolutely the precursor to the gas chambers. Remember, Anne Frank died from illness, not gas. These kids and adults mm-hmm. are right. in terrible, c- c- terribly insane conditions, and we need to give them support. I couldn't see that the last part of that. Forgive me. So I couldn't... Um, I couldn't get it for you guys. But, yeah, like, this stuff has to stop. It's unsanitary. It's unsafe. But now, here's the thing. Some folks make the argument that there is a situation at the border that we have to address. But because of all the racism and, like, you know, the incest, we can't even get to that place. Do you think it's legitimate? BB, I want to go to you about this because I think you have an interesting point of view of this. Is there a legitimate argument to be having about securing the borders? Yes, that is a very legitimate argument. I personally reside in Houston currently, and in Houston, uh, one out of 12 people are undocumented immigrants. Uh, 
Now, to some, that seems like a small number, but when you have one out of 12 people being undocumented, that does arise a question of safety. You know, our our obligation is to Americans first. We do have to be safe along the border. While I do feel that immigrants are necessary for our economy as well as the world's economy, and we do need to allow them here, we do need to make sure that we're being diligent about who we are allowing here and the vetting process. And therefore, again, I think the problem extends far beyond Trump. We need to be looking at international affairs, what's causing everybody to migrate. These are problems that are bigger than just the U.S. alone. You know, there's people being murdered in the Sudan, um, of one would call it genocide, and it's happening in alarming numbers of people migrating to Italy. There's people migrating here from Central America for multiple reasons. But again, going back to lumping people together, we have to be aware that all immigrants aren't just coming over here because they're fleeing persecution. Some have family here that they would like to visit. So we need to expand the visa programs as well as, again, getting legislation passed that makes it more flexible to come here legally so that so many people aren't risking coming over illegally. Thank you so much for that comment. Erica, do you have a response or any thoughts on this? Um, I mean, yes. I think, once again, I think it goes back to thinking about our policy throughout. Like, what is it that is causing people to to come here? I think um, I struggle between saying, like, open borders and not, right? Like, I think what people go through to come here, you know, having gone, having been in asylum interviews and talking to folks and, and doing evaluations, um, interpreting it, psychic evaluations of folks that have, like, crossed a border and what they go through to come here, um, it, it is often it's hard to like say we, we, we push people away. Uh, but I do think that we just need more comprehensive policy around it. Mm. But also, you know, in creating this comprehensive policy, it can't be based on the same norms and the same kind of like level of understanding that we've had around um, foreign affairs before. Right. Like I think that some zero game from which we often um act from is problematic, right? When we are th- when we come from that place, we are making U.S., right? We are talking about this exceptionalism, saying that it is the better place to be, and we're asking people to come here to mm-hmm. or to buy into our way mm-hmm. of living. And then the moment that they do or that they cannot do mm-hmm. it in the in the exactly. in the nation that they are that they are from, in the country that they are from, in the territory that they are in, and then they want to do it here, we have a problem with it. So maybe what we need to be thinking about is what is it that we are expounding to people? What what mm. kind of vision is it that we are putting out there that isn't true? Right. Everyone cannot live in this consumerism mm-hmm. um, that that we are in. Like that's problematic. It's causing our own issues. So so once again, I think we do need to approach policy from a very different perspective. Not quite maybe Marianne Williamson's perspective, but there Why is not? some of that. Uh, there is some of that that needs to be incorporated. Like I, I do believe that we do need to be thinking about that. Right. If, if we would talk, if we were thinking about each other, all of us as humans. Right. We wouldn't have this this idea of anti-blackness. Right. Because we right. would see the humanity of each other. If we wouldn't be treating our kids in this way we wouldn't say that someone deserves this treatment because they don't speak the language because they don't look this way because their hair doesn't look this way Mm -hmm. um so so i do think that there needs to be this sense of going back to our humanity understanding that the vision that people have Mm -hmm. um and that their way of living Mm -hmm. and how they may choose to live it can be just as respectable as long as of course it's not causing harm and that there isn't just one sole way of doing and the moment that we start doing that is why we have you know is why we're having these these issues so i think that is something that really that we need to do some real deep work and healing around that because we've caused so much trauma and you know what I think a lot about is um, the trauma that the the trauma that these kids are going through you Mm -hmm. know it's so hard to be separated from your parents and um, as it is and then to go through all these conditions like what are we telling them about their self-worth and what seeds are we planting for these kids in the future not only about how they may 
how they will treat feel about themselves, how they will feel about authority, how they will feel about U.S. policy. Um, so I think those are all things that we need to be considering. We're going to have a lot of broken people because of this, these policies. So, I mean, we are like literally at the clock now. Just like if you have uh, any Yeah, I tried to write my my notes down quickly. Okay. Mm -hmm. So first, I do want to uh, note, as was said before, Anne Frank did not die because of gas chamber. She died because of typhus fever, which basically means, again, neglect can be a form of genocide. Neglect mm -hmm. can be a form of, of killing. So if we don't care about the conditions, just think about the disease that could spread in this condition. Mm -hmm. This is ripe for disease to spread. Yeah. So if that happens, there is some intentional uh, death then on our part. So that's why I think this is turning into a concentration camp situation. Okay, so going also back to how we change our immigration policy, the first thing we need to change is where we're coming from. Um, like you mentioned, it's about humanizing. Yeah. The president already said... I wish we had more immigrants from Norway. Yeah. So that already tells you his view on who should be coming here. First, we need a president who doesn't say that. We need, we need to have a foundation that we want all immigrants here regardless of how they look. But mm -hmm. I do agree with BB, though, that we need a plan. Because if we don't have some sort of plan, mm -hmm. what happens is it gets hijacked by the right. If we don't have a plan that we talk about, then it looks like it's that we're not thinking about. And right now, clearly, the issue are the children at the border in those camps. Mm -hmm. But we need to have a plan, or else that will be taken away. Yeah. And, so, and oh, I mean, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, we we got to wrap it up now. But like, I, I just can I say some really quick. Go ahead. Th that if you ever want to see what immigrants go through and why they they don't just come here randomly, that they are fleeing danger and that they put their lives on the line, watch uh, Who is Diane Cristal, which was a documentary by um, uh, the actor uh, Garcia Bernal. And uh, he actually went on the top of the trains that immigrants use to get here, which is very dangerous. Yeah. Okay. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in this week. Really appreciate the conversation. We hope you got something out of this, guys. This is a very, very important issue. And yeah, so maybe they don't have gas chambers, but listen, that's not how Anne Frank died. She died of typhoid fever. Like, it's neglect. And we are going down that same pathway, guys. It doesn't have to be this way. Let's hold ourselves and our country accountable. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. We'll see you next week.